But I want to just kind of draw you back. For some of you that are a little bit older, maybe of my era or my age, maybe you remember back in the day Saturday morning cartoons. Anybody remember Saturday morning cartoons? Oh, man, I live for Saturday morning cartoons. You would get up in the morning. They were on early, and they were on like half of the day. And some marketing genius said, we're not going to do that anymore. So I don't know what the deal is, but our kids don't have that opportunity. Maybe it's because of Netflix and everything else. But I just, man, I love getting up on the, in the morning to watch cartoons. And I don't know if you remember, but, but uh, the Looney Tunes or Bugs Bunny, I mean, they had like a three-hour block of, of cartoons. And I'm telling you what, the Looney Tunes, they were ahead of their time, weren't they? I mean, because they were dealing with cutting-edge issues that we're dealing with now, and you're talking like 20, 30 years ago. I mean, there was a, there was a, 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 little, a little piggy that had trouble talking, and they were dealing with issues of, of learning disabilities. Remember, he stuttered all the time. Yeah, I mean, they were dealing with, with issues of, of race and racism. I mean, they had a little Mexican mouse called Speedy Gonzalez. I mean, he was just a star, man. He was fast as can be. You remember that? Remember, even now in the time that we're living in, when, when people are wondering who they are and what they're made like, and maybe they're different than what they think they were made. There was, there was a skunk, and there was this little cat that, that looked like a skunk, and the skunk liked the little cat. They were all confused, but they were ahead of their time. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I just love those cartoons. I, one of that I really loved was uh, uh, <laughs> what was it? Uh, Bugs Bunny and and Pete Puma. You remember Pete Puma? Pete Puma was always trying to get Bugs Bunny, and Bugs Bunny was always trying to outwit him. And one time he came over to Bugs Bunny, and Bugs Bunny says, "Would you like some tea?" And Pete Puma says, "Sure, I like some tea." And then he's got a mallet in his hand, and he says, Bugs Bunny says, how many lumps you want? You know, speaking of sugar. Oh, about three or four. Oh, man, just love that. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, maybe you didn't find that funny like I did, but that was one of my favorites. Or, you know, you remember, I don't know what he was. I think maybe he was an abominable stone man or something. But, you know, he says, I'll call him George. I will love him and squeeze him. And, you, you remember that guy? Oh, I just loved morning cartoons. Now, one of the things in those morning cartoons, I know I'm showing my age. Listen, we were out of town just this past week for a, a, a minister's conference, and my wife was, was still in bed. It was like uh, 12.30 in the afternoon. No, it was that. No. <laughs> no, it was real early in the morning, and I was flipping through the channels, and I, I, I stumbled across one of those cartoons. And I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but just for the sake of it, it, we're talking about cartoons. And my wife, from the other room, she says, are you watching cartoons? I'm like, yeah, you know. So, so I like cartoons, even though I'm, I'm a, I guess I'm a big kid. But if you remember, there was always this scene that played out. And sometimes, I would say many times rather, it, was, it goes cross or across the lines of different cartoons. And it was always this scenario of an individual that was dealing with a big decision. They were struggling emotionally, and all of a sudden, poof, there's this little angel that sits on the shoulder and starts to talk in the ear. That's my best friend talking in my ear. And then all of a sudden, poof, there's the little devil, and he's talking in the ear too. Oh, he's my, he's my best friend. And what are they doing? They're trying to get the, the, the character to choose from right or wrong, from light or dark, trying to influence their emotions and their feelings in which, in which decision that they make. Does, does anybody know what I'm talking about? They still use that kind of scenario today in many of the cartoons. But as funny as that is, in real life, that's kind of what it really is. There's this 
voice that will endeavor to be our friend and will begin to talk in our ear to try to influence us. And just as there is right and wrong, light and dark, good and evil, that is still what is actually taking place today. God's endeavoring to say, I'm your friend and I stick closer than a brother. And he's trying to speak into our life to help us. And then there is the enemy that's saying, you don't want to do that. You don't want to live right. You don't want to make good decisions. You want to be moved by your emotions. And we find that these voices in our life, we see that God is always talking and he's speaking, our, speaking to our hearts to engage our faith. I said when God talks to us, he's always talking to our heart to engage us in faith to trust him. When the enemy talks to us, he always engages and talks to our intellect and our reason, and he tries to engage our emotions. God's trying to get us to live supernaturally to where we live above and beyond our emotions, and the enemy tries to talk so that we just merely live naturally. And everything that governs and directs our life is our emotions. How do you feel? What's going on? You poor thing. You know what I'm talking about. Amen? When it comes to God, God will always remind you of his word and his promises. The enemy will always remind you of your past. God will always remind you of what he said your future is. And the enemy will say that your future is never going to change. Your past is as good as it's going to be. Amen? When it comes to God... God's going to bring back those things that you've been purposing to read and listen to. When you give place to reading your Bible, you may say, well, I'm not a big reader. I don't really read my Bible. Well, let me encourage you. Allow that to become a daily practice of your life so that you can begin to grow and begin to identify God's voice. But if you're not a big reader or if you've not developed that habit as of yet, because I know that you are, I know that you're growing and I know that you're hungry for God, but if you're not a big reader of the Bible as of yet, God's voice will oftentimes sound like me. What do I mean? Because you hear the word of God on Sunday mornings. And so through those hardships, through those times, many times you might hear the worship song that we had on Sunday morning. It might be the message that was preached. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, yes, I remember what was said. I remember what God was speaking to my heart. But once again, when it comes to the enemy, when he begins to speak to you, he always begins to tell you how bad things are. You know, one thing that I found, about, found out about the enemy, and I was just having this conversation with my wife this past week and just identifying some things in my life. I remember when I got out of Bible college, I'm telling you what, I was, I was 10 feet tall. I could take on the world. There was nothing that could stop me. And 20 years later, there's some areas in my life where I'm thinking, I've allowed myself to kind of get off of that John Wayne mentality, if you will, and just kind of get beaten up in some areas. You know what I'm talking about? And you begin to do some self-examination, and you're thinking, wow, how did I ever get there? And as I was sharing with my wife, it was never something that was enormous or monstrous. It was just subtle things day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. God will tell you, you're great. You're awesome. I love you. You can do whatever I put in your heart. It's not too impossible for anything's possible to him who believes. God's always encouraging you. Your enemy, the, the devil, he might just simply say, stupid. 
And you're like, shut up. I ain't stupid. I'm smart. But you wake up tomorrow, stupid. And it's just real subtle. You hearing me? I said, it's just real subtle. And he catches you at the right time. When your emotions are raging and you're feeling low and your faith is waning and you hear that stupid. Like, yeah, I guess I I must be stupid. It's only taken the last 20 years, but it finally wore on you and you started believing the lie. You started believing the voice. God's desire is for us to get beyond our emotions. Emotions are powerful things. That's why Jesus said to us, you've got a purpose to know what to think on. And he gave us instruction on what to think on. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. I want to read a portion of scripture here concerning some things that God has said about us. Proverbs chapter 14, and I want to begin in starting in verse 6. It says, A scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it, but knowledge is easy to him who understands. Go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his ways, but the folly, or but the folly of fools is deceit. Fools mock at sin. But among the upright there is favor. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. The house of the wicked will be overthrown, but the tent of the upright will flourish. Look at verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Let's stop there for a moment. Did you notice that the Bible says there is a way that seems right? If we don't allow God's voice to really begin to speak into our life and to bring us up and over, we again continually hear that subtle voice, stupid, 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 or whatever that voice might be speaking of you. And the Bible says that eventually there is a way that seems right. Meaning we start believing. We start believing the voice that we hear. But it leads to death. Verse 13 says, even in laughter, the heart may sorrow and the end of mirth may be grief. The backslider in the heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly. A man of wicked intentions is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Verse 19, the evil will bow before the good and the wicked at the gate of the righteous. The poor is hated every or even by his neighbors, but the rich has many friends. Let's stop there for a moment. The Bible says that the rich have many friends. Now, you might say, well, sure they are. They got money. They're rich. Everybody wants to be a friend if somebody's got money. But did you know that if you're a child of God, God has called you rich? I said, God has called you rich, abundantly provided for, blessed, empowered to prosper. He gave it all for you, left nothing on the table, held nothing back. He said, I did it so that you'd be rich. 
So if I begin to understand that I'm rich in God, then that says that I have the ability to have friends. And this is where I'm going today. Speaking of our emotions, again, I don't know that I'll get it all in just because we're so uh, uh, delayed on time. But God says he desires that you have friends. And you being rich, friends are going to be drawn to you. It goes on to say this. Verse 22. Do they not astray? Or do they not go astray who, who devise evil? But mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. In all labor, there is profit. But idle chatter leads only to poverty. The crown, of the, the crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. Verse 25, a true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. In the fear of the Lord is a strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And I want to stop there. Did you notice that the Bible said this? It says that God has a place for his kids. I said God has a place for his kids. And one of the greatest places that God has established for his kids is his church. You are the church, but coming together, we make up the church. And God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There is a place for my kids to come together, and when they come together, the Bible says it's a place of refuge. It's a place of safety. It's a place where you can come and find shelter when you feel the enemy coming against you. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves with your family because there is a place of refuge. Come on, you have a place. And we live in a society, in a world, here's the statistics, that the average Christian goes to church one week out of four. And man, you wonder why we're just limping along in life. God wants us to come to that place of refuge and strength. That's where the family is. And he says, you are rich. So if I'm rich, that means I've got a lot of rich friends. I'd have come to church saying, I've got friends here. I said, we come to church identifying our friends, making friends, cultivating friendships. Right? What a great place to be but I know all too often people come into church and they leave church and they never establish friendships they've got friendships out there but they don't develop the friendships in here they got friendships out there that are easy because that's where I was and that's what I know but in here you've got a place of refuge and friendships that will help put you over in life our relationships play a major role in our emotions. Let me just give you a couple verses real quick. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the ways of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. Proverbs 18, verse 2. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In Proverbs 20, 22, verse 24, or chapter 22, verse 24, make no friendships with an angry man and with a furious man. Do not go. That's just a few, but all through the book of Proverbs, 
God really says it is vitally important in the relationships that you establish. Because you're rich. You're rich. And there's a place of refuge for you to establish, establish true friendships. And those friendships begin to put you over. And what we saw concerning those little voices on both of our shoulders, concerning your friendships, does one friendship say, oh, yeah, you have every right to feel that, girl. If he treated me that way, I would, you know, snap, snap. You know what I'm talking about. I'm a lefty. I did it with my right hand. That's what happened there. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You, you ought not feel that way, or you should feel that way. You, you deserve that way. Or you have friendships that begin to lift you up and hold you accountable. Man, I tell you, I'm so grateful for friends that are godly friends that will listen to me in the times of my emotions being high, but at the end of me sharing my heart and being emotional and feeling like a baby and feeling sorry for myself, they say, okay, that's enough. Are you done? I don't want to be. Well, I think you need to be done. It's time to suck it up and stand up. Here's what God said. He said, you're going over. He said, you, you, you've got the ability to stand strong. You've got the ability to have a refuge. You've got more in you than you think you do. And then finally, you just, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. That's right, that's right, I do. I get Praise God. I need those friends. Those are true friends. There are friends. Do you have friends in your life that draw you and push you towards God? Or do you have friends that begin to pull you from God? Because he says, you choose the friendships. And you'll find that whatever friends you have, they will give place to your emotions or they will not allow you to muddle around in the mud of your emotions. Come on, I, I want to say something real strong. And many of you say, listen, that, that's really hard for me to hear. But if you want to feel sorry for yourself, God will never, ever, ever allow you or excuse you feeling sorry for yourself. You might say, well, I have every right to feel this way. You might have a reason to feel that way, but you don't have a right to feel that way. Well, you don't know what happened to me. But you don't know what Jesus did for you then. Because if you understood what Jesus did, you wouldn't look at this circumstance of being so big. Because the Bible says that Jesus conquered it all. He covered it all. He washed it away with his blood. He says, you've got the ability to stand strong in the midst of every circumstance and say, I have a refuge and I'm going over in life because I've got true friends. Amen? God wants us to begin to understand what it is to choose the right friendships and they play in a major role and impact in your emotions. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10 says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower a fortress, a refuge, and the righteous run into and are safe. I want you to hear that the righteous run into. That means you have to be intentional. God says, here's the refuge, here's the friends, here's the family, here's the safety, here's the protection, here's the provision, here's the help, here's the support. <laughs> Will you come and pray for me? Sure, I'll pray for you, but come on. Come to the family. Come to the refuge. Let's hunker down together. Let's support one another. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, listen. I can't make you, but God can't either. And he says, you run. You come to the place where I begin to have friendships. You say, well, I don't know anybody here. Then say hello. My name is. <laughs> come on. Say it with me. Let's practice. Hello. hello. My name is. 
All right, fill in the blank. There you go. Praise God. (laughs) God says there's a place for his kids. Let me just say this real quick. Everybody has a place of refuge. Everybody does. It may not be the refuge that God chooses for you. You might find your refuge in the place of work. You might find your refuge on the ball field or the golf course. You might find your refuge on a bar stool. You might find your refuge in a weekend party. You might find your refuge just staying at home and vegging out on Netflix. You might find your refuge in the place called church where God's family is. And that's where God's desire is. In your refuge, you find your relationships. And your relationships help you navigate in your time of emotions. Our relationships do one of three things. They can cause you to soar and reach new heights with God, or they can hold you right where you're at, or they can pull you down where they are. Did you hear me? I said friendships can cause you to soar in new heights with God, or they can begin to just hold you where you're at, or they can pull you down to where they're at. Our boundaries in our relationships should either cultivate and grow or we should purpose to limit their access Access, or we should cut them off. This is a real tough thing. Inventory. My friendships, do I cultivate them? Do we continue to grow them? Or do I just limit my access in what I allow? Or is it time to just cut that relationship? Because it's unhealthy. There are relationships that will step down into maybe the pit or the rut that you're at. And they will be there for the moment to help pull you up. But a true friend never gets down and rolls around in it with you. Did you hear me? A true friend endeavors to pick you up. I talked about cutting it off and... You'll indulge me for just a couple minutes, right? We're almost ready to go. I'm going to let you go. Really, I am. About a half hour. (laughs) No, I won't keep you that long. I talked talked about having friends. I shared this on Wednesday night. I said there was a minister that I began to listen to. I knew of him. I knew his name. His name's Todd White, if you want to know. And I'll keep it real short as, as I just share this about him. But I watched his video on Facebook, and as I'm watching him, I'm about weeping. I'm I'm laying in bed, and I'm about weeping listening to him minister because as he's talking about his relationship with God and how he interacts with God and with people, I'm like, God, I want to be that way. I want that kind of relationship with you. That lives are so dramatically changed because of my relationship with you. Oh, it just stirred me. Now, as I began to share that story on Wednesday night about this, I went into more detail. One particular woman, she said to me the following week, she said, yeah, I always saw that guy. He's got real long dreadlocks. She says, I saw that guy. And she goes, yeah, he's not my flavor. Because I saw him one time, but I turned him right off because I didn't like the way he looked. He had long hair and dreadlocks. It is kind of weird looking. Didn't want to listen to him. But then I started to stir her heart in what he had to say. She said, I went home and listened to him after you talked about him. She goes, I watched him for an hour. And she said, it was so good I had to find another video. I sat there and watched it for another hour. 
Why? Because all of a sudden, something was stirred to know God more. We went to a conference this past week, the last several days, and I come out of there stirred because they're saying, you can do it. God's able. He's got your back. Come on, let's run the race. And we walk out of there. Yes, I can do it. Why? Because God wants us to have the right relationships, relationships that will hold us accountable. I talked about those relationships that maybe you need to cut off. I know it's hard, but listen, my grandfather had gangrene in his little toe. He let it go. And to begin to look at his toe, all the meat began to peel off of his toe, and it looked gross. And I went up there and tried my best to help Grandpa and build his faith, but it had just gotten too bad. But all you saw was just his little toe that was just rotten away. To the natural eye, it just seemed like a little toe. But that poison traveled throughout his body and his leg. And what seemed like having to remove a toe at maybe most a foot, they removed his leg up to almost his hip. There are relationships that you know are unhealthy. They don't do anything good for your emotions. They don't propel you towards God. They suck you into their lifestyles and keep you wallowing around in the mud. And God says, do you need to, ac- uh, uh, to limit your access to that? Or do you need to cut it right off? God wants us to grow. And just in closing, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, it says this, a man who has a friend must first himself be friendly. I want to encourage you, be the friend you want to be. And the friend doesn't always baby at times. Sometimes love is a little strong. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being rude. But friends hold each other accountable. I want you to know as a pastor... As a pastor dealing with people, you get to see storms coming in many people's lives. Have you ever saw a storm coming? They might tell you about it on the news and they're saying, this is going to be a stem winder. Some of you that are from the south. This is going to be a, this is going to be a big, bad storm. It's going to be rough, flooding, tornadoes. They tell you about it. It puts you on alert. But when it starts to come, you can see it, can't you? And if you're smart, you run to refuge. You run to a safe place. Many times as a pastor, dealing with people, you see the storm coming in people's lives. And you're concerned. And you're trying to give them the Doppler radar report. And you're trying to help them to run to refuge. Come to the place of safety. Develop some friendships. But they don't take heed. And it's always those individuals that once the storm hits, they say, I feel like I'm disconnected. I feel like I don't have friends. I feel like nobody cares. Church is so clicky. Wah, wah, wah. And I don't say that to be insensitive. But the storm is coming. The refuge has always been here. 
hear a pastor's heart trying to be a friend. Don't separate yourself. Don't let big gaps of time come between spending time with your family and your friends. Develop the relationships intentionally. You may say, I don't like the one sitting next to me. That's okay. There's other people here. (laughs) Okay. Somebody might like you. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Now, just as I let you go, we got a very special treat for you today. And we all, we got all of you emojis. They're happy faces. They're fun faces. And it's just to remind you, there's a place of refuge. You have friends here. So listen, I want you to hang it from your mirror. Put it on your keychain. Come on. Put it on your bowling bag. You know, golf bag, whatever it is. Something to remind you. I don't want you to, again, I'm not trying to be silly. I just, it's just something to put in your hand to say, we love you. You have a friend. God loves you and he wants to be your friend. And there's a refuge here. Amen. Can we stand? I'm just.